We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're going to begin with verse 1. And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out or come in. Also the Lord had said unto me, See, Moses didn't make this decision on his own. He didn't meet with the council of Israel. He didn't talk to the priests or prophets. He didn't talk to anybody because the Lord spoke this to him. Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. Understand something. These people were ready. The Jordan was there. Crossing over was the promised land. And their leader for all of these years is saying, The Lord told me I'm not going with you. Can you imagine the shock to the people? Verse 3 says, The Lord thy God, He will go over before thee. I want you to catch this. All this time, Moses had been leading them through the desert. And they had caught the vision of Moses. And they had caught the direction of Moses. And they went wherever Moses went. And they did whatever Moses said. But notice what he says here. The Lord, now He's going to go over with you. I'm not going with you anymore. You're going to have to put your trust in the Lord and not me. He will go over before thee, and He will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, He shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. Now I'm putting away the mantle, and Joshua's going to go. But the only reason Joshua's going to take you over is because the Lord said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did in Sion and Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. Verse 5, And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. What did he say? God said, Whatever I told you to do, I'm going to give them into your hands, and you're going to get to do it. What's God saying to us today? There's promises I've made you. Those promises are now in your hand. You're going to get to do it. You understand we've got a new norm. I'm going to hit this one again. We've got a new norm. It's no, what, no longer what the promises of God were, but it's what the promises of God are. And now He's turning them over to us. And we're going to do whatever we want to do with them. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong. Be strong. Be of good courage. You understand, this is not God speaking to Moses. This is Moses speaking to the people. Be strong. Be of good courage. Fear not. Be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, He is... He it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. You see what Moses is doing here before he's about to meet his demise? He's putting the one in the forefront who should have always been in the forefront. He said, don't you worry about a thing because God's going before you. He's going to perform it. Verse 7, And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong, See, he just said this to all the people. Now he takes the next leader and he says, listen to me. 
look at me, Joshua. Look me right in the face. Look me right in the eyes because all of Israel is about to hear what I'm about to tell you. Be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And verse 8 says, And the Lord, he it is that doeth good, that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Man, those are some powerful, powerful words. You know, in the last few weeks and months, I've heard people saying over and over, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. With this coronavirus going on and the shutting down of the world and economies falling and people getting sick and passing away and all of these things. I've heard this same saying over and over. I've never experienced. And this is by some folks that are fairly old. I've never experienced anything like this in my life before. No doubt we're living in uncertain times. You, you feel a little uncertainty about what's going on in the world right now? Or do you know what's going to happen with the world economy? If you do, let me know. I'm ready to invest. We don't know what's going to happen to the world economy, the world health, the world governments. So here's the thing people forget about God. He can cause every government, every nation, every people to fall all at one time in the world. Every one of them. Nobody hold the block. Nobody hold the power but God. He can do that. Is that a possibility? Many people feel that our nation, that the world itself is on the brink of something. But we don't know what that is. It's an uncertainty. Researchers tell us that stress created by our sense of uncertainty is not just unsettling. It's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. It don't just affect you mentally. It affects you physically. Stress of the uncertain will slowly kill you. Stress of the uncertain will slowly kill you. Years ago, a Dutch research team conducted an experiment in which they told one group of people that they're going to receive 20 strong shocks of electricity in their body. They took a second group, same amount of people, but a second group, and they said, you're only going to receive three strong shocks of electricity with 17 mild shocks of electricity in your body, but they're going to be administered randomly. You don't know when the strong one's coming. You don't know when the soft one's coming. And here's what the researchers found out. The second group sweated more, and their heart rate was faster because they were uncertain when the big shock was coming. You would think 20, some, 20 strong shocks, you'd sweat. and mm -mm. It wasn't the power of the shocks that caused them to sweat and their heart to race. It was the uncertainty of when it was coming. Harvard psychologist Daniel Gilbert said that an uncertain future leaves us stranded in an unhappy present with nothing to do but wait. Let me see, read that again. An uncertain future leaves us stranded in an unhappy present with nothing to do but wait. And that's as true as it was a decade ago. It's true today as it was or even thousands of years ago maybe 3,000 years ago, as Moses is speaking to the people, when he said, hey, I'm not going with you, do you think that an uncertainty came over Israel? Because the man that had been leading them, the man that had heard from God, the man that had received the commandments, the man that had been the, the, the fearless leader 
was not going with them anymore. I can guarantee you, in that three million plus people, there was an uncertainty that came over them. Moses had been worn out for 40 years now. Can you imagine traveling in the desert for 40 years? That'd wear anybody out, wouldn't it? Especially if now you're 120. He said, I'm a, this is his birthday. Moses is speaking his birthday. Today is my birthday, everybody. I'm 120 years old today. Man, what a birthday gift. I'm not going with you. Moses said, he said, I'm no longer able to go in. I'm no longer to, able to, you ever felt that way? Man, I can't go out and I can't come back in. I can't get up and I can't get down. I can't, if I sit down, I can't get up. If I get up, I'll never be able to sit down again. You ever felt those? That's what he's saying here. I'm no longer, he said, and the Lord saw this. And the Lord spoke to me and said, guess what? Not only can you not get up and go down, not only are you tired, not only have you traversed the desert for all these, you're not going to cross the Jordan. The Lord said that to him. Can you imagine the reaction of the people? Such news couldn't have come at a more inopportune time. After all, they're about to go in and take it over. They've been convinced now this is where we're going. And now the leader that had convinced them wasn't going. They were at the brink. They were at the edge. Right within reach of this promised land. The promised land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But before they can call this their own, there was this river to cross. This Jordan to cross. You see, they had been through a sea with him. They had seen Moses stretch forth and they had seen an entire ocean, a sea, part. And so what was their expectation now? The river. He's just going to stretch his hand forth again. He's going to stretch a rod out, and this river's going to part, and we're going to follow Moses. See, they had an expectation. <clears throat> Sometimes that happens to us as church folk. Because what we saw yesterday, we have the same expectation today. When not only is God not going to perform that same expectation, He's going to kill the one that performed it. He's going to kill the one that performed it. You see, God doesn't want you to live on yesterday's expectation, but in today's experience, even in uncertainty. You see, there's a lot of uncertain people in the church because they're not just uncertain about what's going on in the world. They're uncertain about their relationship with Jesus Christ. If I die today, hallelujah. I'm not scared of it. You know, do I want to leave my family? Absolutely not. But listen, What's, what's waiting for me? I mean, hey, it's going to be great. The, the whole reason I'm here in this is to try to find somebody to take with me. It's not, Yeah, well, I didn't get a lot of amens on that because most people in the church think they're in a church to go to heaven. Jesus never made that promise. He said, you can be born again into my kingdom. You can be born again into my kingdom and you can live kingdom lives the kingdom of God is not me to drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You see, Holy Ghost, as we know it, won't, won't be Holy Ghost as we know it in eternity. The Holy Ghost is with us today for purpose. That purpose will be fulfilled at the rapture, and it's done. You see, but, oh, but I thought I was saved to go to heaven. Uh-uh. Can I, can I put a little secret? I'm going to move on here. You're not saved yet. You're born again. The same shall be saved. Shall be saved is a future tense reflection of what will happen if you run the course. 
That's why Paul said, I've run the course. I fought the fight now. Not in the middle of the fight, not in the middle, but now is laid up for me. Now. You see, we're born again into this kingdom for a purpose. Before they could, they had, listen, there was a river to cross. There were walled cities to defeat. Before they took this land over, before they occupied, there were armies waiting for battle with them. And many other unknown and uncertain factors that they were facing. They faced an uncertain future, threatening to leave them stranded in an unhappy present, waiting to do nothing but wait. But Moses didn't want them to wait. He summoned the people together, and in their hearing, charged Joshua, be strong and courageous. You're going you're gonna to take them in. You be strong. You be courageous. You do the thing that the Lord's called you to do. And you're going to possess the very thing that was promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You're going to possess it today. I'm telling you, there are, there are things in the past in the church that God promised and gave, but there are other possessions that have not been given yet that we as the church are going to possess in this time that we're living in. It's a new norm. It's a new, the game's changing. The game's changing. You know what I can see right now that's going on in the church world? There are those that are grabbing a hold. There are those that were asleep and they're woke. There are those that have kind of slipped away, but they come back. They say, you know what, something's going on. I better get back, get my life right with God. And there are those that are in the church like yourself that say, hey, we're at the end. We're go- Here we go. Then there are those that are saying, man, I don't know what in the world's going on. I'm certain about it, but I'm going to get away from that. There are those that are just going to fall away from it. They're just going to walk off from it. That's a sad, sad and perplexing thing, but it's going to happen. And it's happening right now. Those people that you thought never would walk away from God because of the uncertainty that's going on in their life, there's much to do to possess this land. And here's the thing. There's, there's much to do for, to, uh, for us to, to possess the promises and what God's doing right now. There's much to do. But here's the thing that Moses made sure he told the people in Joshua. God's going before you. God's going with you. God is with you. And God will perform it. Don't worry. You, you, there's no, God's not expecting you to perform anything. He's expecting you to obey His Word. And in that, He'll perform when you obey. You know the reason a lot of times we are wind up in trouble for performing? Because we hadn't obeyed. We want to perform for God. That God who can outperform God? Why not just let Him perform it in your life? Why not just walk in it? Oh, that's too easy, Pastor. Exactly. God didn't intend for this life to be hard for you. You're making it hard yourself. You're making it hard yourself. Are we going to run into hardships? Yes. That doesn't mean it has to be hard. Hardships can be the best thing that ever happened to you in the Christian life. It can create something in you that draws you so close to Him and and, and creates such a power in you and that the Holy Ghost can move in your life because you see God in it. He said, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Part of what makes the uncertain so stressful to us is that it pushes against trust for today and hope for tomorrow. When we're uncertain, it's pushing again our, against our trust for today, trusting God for today, and our hope for God tomorrow. That's what uncertainty does in our life. When we feel the push against us of uncertainty, it, it, it fills our hearts with fear. It clouds our judgment with fear. It brings our resolve to fear. 
That's why he said, fear, don't fear. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid about what God's about to do. He said, don't be, he didn't say don't be afraid about what you're about to do. Don't be afraid that you're about to cross the Jordan. Don't be afraid that you're about to go into the land. He didn't say that. He said, don't be afraid about what God's about to do. Because what God's about to do, God's resolve, God's judgment, God, there is no fear in God. Instead of allowing uncertainty to freeze you in place, remember what Moses said to Joshua. Don't let fear of today, the things that are going on, freeze us in place if we're not careful. They freeze us in a place where we can't move and we feel like we're just stuck. It is the Lord, he said, who goes before you. Every step you take, when that river parts and you take a step in that riverbank, He's already been on the bank. When you go to the river bottom, God's already passed through the river bottom. He's going on the other side to the other bank. When you get to the other side, God's already gone. He's going before you. He will, he will be with you. I love all of you, but I'm not going to be with you in everything. It's not possible. But He is. He is. I'll pray with you. I'll go with, with you, through with you, what I can. But listen, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to. Don't trust in a Moses. Don't, don't trust in a Joshua. Don't trust in a Pastor Don. They're not going to let, God's going to go before you. He's going to be with you. It's too easy. Jesse and I were talking because we know this to be true. It's too easy when we're getting ready to cross a Red Sea or going to take a, a country or going to fight an army. It's too easy to call Moses. That's why God took Moses to the mountain and let him die on the mountain. He, he took their safety net out. You see, that it's all, look, just read the story previous to this. Every time they, Moses, every time, every time God's people came around, they didn't say, Lord, Moses. And every time they turned around, they had a problem, Moses. And every time they needed something, Moses. And look, the rocks, where's the rock? Moses. And where's the pillar? Moses. And, you know, I bet Moses so got tired of hearing, Moses, Moses. Yeah, they were relying on Moses. Well, God now has eliminated that. Lord, please. Well, you know, if you take me, that's fine. I'm not asking the Lord to eliminate me from this. But if he does... Don't say, but Don. He said, do not fear. Be not just. So we must remember to trust in God's presence. Trust that he's right here with you. This just blows me away as a human. The God that said, let there be, and there was, is in this place right now with you and I. The God that, and this dirt ball became a human being, is in this place with you and I today. Man, that's pretty. It is the Lord who's going before us. It, it's God. God is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. And that's what Moses was trying to portray to them that day. The, I can't go. But the covenant-making God that made a covenant with our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He is a covenant-keeping God. And so guess what? You're going to get to be a part of the keeping of the covenant He made with your forefathers. Man, wouldn't that be exciting? Wouldn't it be exciting if God spoke today and said, You know what? Uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost is for them, all of them, whosoever God shall call. Wouldn't that be exciting if that was for today? 
Wouldn't, ooh, wouldn't it be exciting? 3,000 on one, in one day received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and were baptized. 3,000. Man, wouldn't that be something that was, that was for us today? Mm. 5,000 the next day. 5,000 people the next day. And then it got to be so heavy. The writer of the book of Acts, Luke, said, look, I can't count this. I can't add this up because it's multiplying. Ten plus ten is, come on, you mathematicians. Ten plus ten is, whoa, ten times ten is, oh, you get God now, don't you? You see, he was adding to the church daily such as should be saved then. But we're in the multiplication part. As the church began to grow, you and I are in the multiplication. Do you get that? God's placed us today, 2,000 years later, in the multiplication part. Now, we're probably going to get, we're probably in the trigonometry part, aren't we? We're probably so far past the geometry and so far past the algebra that we're in the trigonometry part of Jesus and us and Him spirit moving and miracles and all those. We're probably in the trigonometry part of it at this point. Oh, but I thought it's because the Lord's going before us. Can I just do something real simple? There wasn't as many people in the day of Peter at Pentecost on this earth as there is today. Wouldn't it not make sense that we have more of an opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, are we looking for work or are we looking for opportunity? See, many people in the church are looking at that's work. They're not looking at it as that's opportunity. But understand something. God didn't give us any any work to do. He gave us so much opportunity. He gave us so much opportunity because we weren't born again into this to be saved. We were born into this to help somebody come with us. And our opportunity is great today because, the listen, Moses didn't give them a godly guide to go through the Red Sea. He didn't give them a godly guide to cross Jordan. Joshua was not their godly guide. He was the next man in succession, as the Lord said. There was no godly guide. He said, listen, Joshua, I'm, I'm dying. It's over for me. Joshua's going to lead you, but God's going to take you over. There was no godly guide. It was God himself. And too many people today are looking for godly guides. The church is full of people that are looking for godly guides. Can I just say it this way? There's too many people in the church that want the pastor to get them there. They want the pastor to get them there. But it's God that wants to take you there. God, listen, I, I, I love all of you. We'll pray with you and I'll, I'll counsel all of that stuff. I'm, I'm good with that. But I, I'm not your godly guide. God wants to guide you. That's why we're in a new place in God now. There's a new norm. There's a new norm. You know why God set them up for not having a godly guide? You understand when they crossed over why he did that? Their sole dependency from this point on was God alone. From this point until today, as we sit here, from this point in history, up until now, God had given men godly guides to lead his people. From this point on, it never happened again. I'm not the godly guide. He wants to lead you. We thank God for those that are like Moses. We thank God for those that are like Joshua. We thank, you know, 
Moses goes into Pharaoh's court and says, hey, you, you need to let my people go. He, he, he stretches a staff and a sea parts. He, you know, he climbs Mount Sinai and gets the tablets, the commandments. Of, I mean, this guy did a lot. He leads Israel through the, through the desert for 48 years in safety. This guy's done a lot. It's like, aren't you glad you have Christian parents if you didn't? I was very blessed. I had a mom and a dad that loved God. Uh, and, you know, without that, I don't know that I would have come this far. Because they opened my eyes that there is a God. There's a Savior. And I'm so thankful for that. Aren't you glad for godly parents? And some of the kids are going, I'm not sure yet. But those of us that have lived a while are going, yes. <laughs> you will be, trust me. Aren't you glad for godly pastors and teachers and godly friends and neighbors and Sunday school teachers? And aren't you glad for all that? Those are all good. But it comes a time when all those godly things are put aside. It's not that you do away with them, but it's... <clears throat> Anybody ever have a bicycle with training wheels? We, we weren't allowed that. The, my dad bought us a bike, and it was one size, and it was a big mama's bike. And we had a porch that stood three foot off. And so we would get on the porch and... and kind of run down the porch and jump on the bike and take off. We weren't allowed to have training wheels. We just had to learn. But training wheels are on, on a bike for a purpose, right? What are they for? Are training wheels to teach you to ride a bike with training wheels? No. Training wheels are on there to teach you to ride a bike without the training wheels. At some point, your kid says, Daddy, Mama, would you take these training wheels off? Because everybody else in the block's riding around with bicycles with no training wheels, and I feel like a baby because I'm riding. And at some point, you take those training wheels off, don't you? And you let them learn, don't you? Did they fall down? Mm-hmm. Did they skin a knee? Mm-hmm. But, man, when they figured it out, wouldn't it joyful to just watch them ride with their friends and everybody's? It's that same thing in Christianity. You know, that, that's what we're for. That's what pastors and teachers and all that are in the church. They're your training wheels. But at some point in your walk with God, you've got, to, you've got to pull those training wheels off and get on that bike. Are you going to skin your knee? Absolutely. Spiritually, are you going to hit it? Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to have issues? Yeah, absolutely. Are there going to be people that ride faster than you? Absolutely. All of that thing. But you've got to get on that bike without those training wheels. Not only, you know, listen, don't, don't, y'all don't just totally throw me aside, okay? Don't, don't, don't. That's not what I'm saying. Don't totally. But understand this. God's expectation is that He wants to lead you. Will He lead you through a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or through a friend? God, oh, yes, He will. But God wants to make sure you understand it's He's assisted. He wants to be the unassisted one in your life. That's what God wants to bring you to. Godly guides are there for us to, to grow out of. You should grow. Now, it may be a little harder for other pastors to grow past them. You should be able to grow past me pretty quickly. And I'm, that, that, I, that mean thing to me, I, you know, I don't have to be the smartest bird in this cage. I don't have to be the smartest stick in this matchbox. I don't, ha I don't have to be. That's not because I'm somebody. I just realize I'm not going to be. That's not what God called me to be. God called me to be someone to direct and give. And oh, that's what a pastor does, is to get you ready. 
But at some point, just like Dad said when I was 18, son, for 18 years we fed you and we clothed you and we've taught you how to wash dishes and wash clothes. We did all this stuff. Now it's your turn. Have fun. Enjoy it. We've done the best we could. Yeah, You're on your own. And you know what? I could wash clothes. I could wash dishes. I can make some of the best mashed potatoes from scratch you've ever had. Ask, ask Jana. Yeah. And I can cook fairly decent. You know what? There were some training wheels in my life. But you know what? Dad said time to pop the training wheels off. And I'm telling you as a pastor, there's time for you to pop the training wheels off. God wants you to walk with him. He's got some things to tell you that he's telling Pastor Don. I'm not telling you, Pastor Don. I'm telling them. I'm not being facetious. Because I pray, God, give me a word to tell them. God, I'm not telling you. I'm going to tell them. He wants to speak to you about some things. Do you know why some of the answers you have not gotten, you have not gotten? And Pastor Don had been able to give them to you? I see some of you get frustrated with me. Oh, he just can't give me the answer. Absolutely. Because God hadn't given it to me. Because he wants to give it to you himself. Pop some training wheels off. Moses was the point man. You know what a point man is? Okay. He was the point man. He followed God. Moses was the point man. He, he followed God. Everywhere he went, when they, traversed, when they traversed the desert, did they all follow Moses? They followed this pillar as Moses followed this pillar. They followed this cloud as Moses followed this cloud. When the pillar stopped, they stopped because Moses stopped. When the cloud stopped, they stopped because Moses stopped. But Moses was the point man for the pillar of fire, for the cloud. Moses was the point. God was always first in. Not Moses. God, was all, God is always first in in your life. Not pastor, not mama, dad, not sons. God is always first. There might be a point man in your life. There might be a, a mom or dad. Uh, listen, God's always first. The New Testament calls Jesus the first fruits of the resurrection. Now, you know why he's called the first fruits? There's a reason he's called the first fruits of the resurrection. Hebrews says that Jesus is, was a pioneer, he was a trailblazer in faith. He first entered into the holiest of holies. You see, up until this point, only the high priest could enter into the holiest of holies. But when Jesus died on the cross, what happened to the holiest of holies? What happened to the veil? It tore in half. And what happened? It opened up. Now, he could enter into the holiest of holies. Jesus is our high priest, right? But he's the first fruits of the resurrection. Guess what you and I get to do because Jesus got to do? enter into the holiest of holies. The holy place, the holiest, the presence of God. We get to enter that, that ourselves. He entered in that place so that we could have the same opportunity. That's why He was the first fruits and many other things. Understand this. If Jesus was the first fruits, you need to see what Jesus did after He was resurrected because that is what God calls the church to do. That's what God... Everything after the resurrection, because he was first fruits, means there's going to be second, 
third, fifth, hundredth, thousandth, millionth fruits, there's going to be fruit to follow the first fruits. Otherwise, it would just been the fruit. So the things that Jesus did, <clears throat> so much so that when Jesus went away in the clouds and the angels said, hey, why are y'all standing here gazing? He, he's going to come back just like He went away in the clouds. Now, what does it say about us at the time when Jesus comes again? He was the first fruits to go into the clouds. What are you and I going to do? We're going to meet him in the clouds to forever be with. He's, everything that Jesus, were the, the fruits of the same thing. In these uncertain times when you, you're feeling uncertain, listen, trust in God's presence. He's led you this far. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to lead, and he's still leading. He's still going. He preceded us to prepare a way for us. He preceded us to prepare a way for us. He said, I go, that I may prepare a place for you. So not only did he prepare a way, he's prepared a place. Man, all of the things. Where, listen, wherever Jesus guides, Jesus provides. Yeah, some, pastor, listen, Pastor Don might guide you in a direction sometime that may not be the absolute. I do my best in prayer to guide you the right way. But you know, I'm a man just like you. I can make a mistake just like you. I'm a man just like Jesus Christ was a man. The difference is, He can't make a mistake. Wherever He guides, He provides. It's that you don't have to worry about His guiding. That's why the Lord wants, He wants to lead you today. He wants to pop the training wheels off of you your bike today and lead you, not some, have someone else do it. As long as you let someone else lead you in God, you'll never get there. You'll never make it in God. I'm going to see how can I say this and not get out of whack. I'll just use myself. Is that okay? If there are any Biddickites in this place, you're in trouble. If there are any Biddickites in this place, if you're following God in proportion to me, because I said and I led, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, it's my responsibility as pastor to lead, but if that's why you're following, and if and listen, if, if Pastor Biddick leaves, I'm going to leave. <clears throat> you better check your Jesus experience, because you have a Pastor Biddick experience, but I doubt very seriously you have it, because you wouldn't do that. But that's Churches are full of people like that. Full of Biddickite. Not I'm just using myself as a full of Biddickites. The long as that pastor's there is great. When he's when he's gone, I'm gone. All right, I'm gonna get in trouble here. So learn to rest in God's presence. He'll he'll be with you. He'll never leave or forsake you. Uh, pe people of the ancient world believed in provincial gods, territorial spirits. Even the Jews believe this. But, but throughout the world, people of the ancient world believed that in their minds, if they moved to a foreign country, they were taking up residence in another God's backyard. That's what the majority of the world believed at that time, including Jews. If, I, if I'm going to, I'm here in Israel, but if I move over to that, well, I'm, I'm kind of invading, I'm, I'm kind of encroaching on a, a, another God over here. Even though they believed in one God. This was the thought process of the people of that day. It was an act of trespassing that they took very seriously. And in Scripture, you'll find where there were spirits who prevailed in certain countries and provinces. Have you ever noticed that? If you look in Scripture, you see it. 
You know, Daniel talks about the, you know, buffeted, 21 days fast. Man, I'm t- do something, God. God said, listen, we, we, you know, we had to. Jesus goes across the water, and on that other part of that country, it was another country, was a, was a man possessed of legion. Many, 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 many devils. You see, that was their country. Now, Jesus had entered into their country. You understand why the, the Jew and many other people thought, had this thinking process. Th- th- these devils pretty, pretty much felt at home at that place because when Jesus was ready to cast them out, they were like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Can, don't, don't cast us into can, you, can we just stay in our country? Cast us into the pigs. Can we, just, we like this country. We like it here. We're, we're doing pretty good here. Just cast us into the pigs. You can hang out here in the pigs. But please, please, don't cast us out. So, so there is, in Scripture, there is some certainty to that there are... Have you, have you ever been in a place that you felt uncomfortable? I've been to many states, uh, countries. I've been around part, different parts of the world. And there's places I've been, and you too, that you just felt this uncomfortable feeling. Any of you ever been to the French Quarter? Las Vegas. Did, did you get a funny feeling? If you didn't, uh-oh. Because there are spirits that live and dwell in those places. They like that country. Why is it? Because everybody's doing what they want them to do. That's why they like it there. They don't want some Christians showing up, gassing them out of there because this is their country. In some of the places that I felt uncomfortable, it wasn't what I had seen or experienced, but it's what I felt. I didn't really experience anything weird. I didn't really see anything weird. But there was this feel in spirit. It's discernment of spirit. There were some spirits probably that were dwelling there. Listen, it would have been natural for Joshua and these ex-slaves, because they, they were slaves for 400 years plus, and so now they're ex-slaves, and they just come out of Egypt, so... It would have been not been odd for them to believe that we're crossing over this river and we're going into the land that there's some other gods over there. That wouldn't because they had been in Egypt, the land of many gods. For years they had experienced many gods. Oh, but there's only one God. There's only one true living God. There are many gods, just like there's only one Christ. Jesus said, "Many Christs will come in my name." Many Christs will come in their own. There's Antichrist. You know, this is, I'll move on. I had somebody in my family, and every time they prayed, they would say, in Christ's name. And I would say, in my mind, which Christ? Anti? Many ones that Jesus talked about are Jesus Christ. Can't you just say Jesus? Because there is one Christ. There's one Messiah. There's one chosen one. But Jesus said there are many Christs. That's why, we, that's why you see the, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the chosen, Jesus the elect, not anti. I'm not ever praying in Christ's name in my, over my family because I don't want anti showing up at my house. I want Jesus at my house. When you're feeling uncertain, you don't have to worry. God's brought you safe. He's going to keep you there. Listen, one of the names of the Lord that you find in Scripture is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? I'm moving on. He promised to go to the ends of the earth with us. Unlike what the anxious believed about the gods, 
Jesus doesn't tie Himself to a single location. Throughout the Scripture, God identified Himself to the Israelites as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, never as the God of Goshen or Canaan. God doesn't tie Himself to a place. He ties Himself to a people. He never ties Himself to a place. He, doesn't tie him, he ties Himself to you. Individually, God ties Himself to you individually. People, God doesn't run before you so He can run out on you. He's tied to you. He's committed to you. Sometimes we feel like God's not there simply because it's God's there. It's us that's run off. When you're feeling uncertain, trust in His parents. Don't fear or be dismayed. Let me finish here. The Hebrew word for fear is Yahweh. Yahweh. It sounds like you'd run a dog off. Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. That's what that sounds like to me. You know, something you'd scare an animal off with. That's what fear in the Old Testament. We, we understand what it's like to fear, don't we? Really? But what does it mean to be dismayed? To be dismayed. I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. The Hebrew word for dismay is kothath. It means to break down as a result of confusion or fear. He said, not only, not only did I want you to, don't fear, don't be dismayed, don't break down because of the fear. He said, that's what, it's, it's a breakdown as the result of confusion. It, it, to become outraged, it, to literally have your heart ripped out is what kothath means. That's what dismayed. He said, don't be afraid, don't, don't fear, don't, don't worry about it. there's going to be somebody out there that's going to say this word to you and it's going to make you want to run. Not only that, listen, don't let them rip your heart out. Don't let them take away from you what I've given you. God's given us so much in our hearts. Don't let anything, don't let anything that's going on in this world right now, don't let any uncertainties, don't let them rip your heart out. Don't let them scare you. God's with you. He's with you. What happens when your car goes kothath? What happens when your car is dismayed? You ever been kothath in a car? You know what that means? You broke down. You're immobilized. Stuck. You can't go anywhere. That's what he was telling them here. Don't, don't get broke down. Don't get stuck. Don't get frozen in one place. That's what happens when you're dismayed. Don't misunderstand. Fear isn't bad. Okay? God gave us respect. We're to fear the Lord. That doesn't mean kothath. That... It means to have respect for Him. God expects you to have fear for the freeway. Respect what can happen to you if you try to cross I-20 at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on foot. That's a respectful fear. You understand. That there are fears. In our, you know what? Uh, how many of you did that? I did. You know, when, when I was a kid, we had the gas and the little blue flames. And, you know, I had to know what that was like. But now I have a very respectful fear. I won't ever do that again. So there are fears that God put in our life, but there's a difference between that and there's, there's God alarm in our life to alert us from potential harm, those type of fears. Fear is powerful. It's a much-needed alarm, but fear is terrible control. It's powerful as an alarm, but it's terrible as a control. You, in your home, you have smoke detectors, right? as well as a thermostat. One is an alarm. One is a control. Smoke detectors can't control smoke. 
They only alert you to the presence of smoke and possible fire. Your thermostat can not only detect temperature in the room, but it can control the temperature, right? Understand this about fears. Pay attention to your fears. Just like you do when the, when the smoke detector goes, pay attention to that. Because if you don't, you might have a problem. But don't let your fears become the thermostat in your life. Hear the alarm, but don't, don't, let, don't control the temperature of your life by your fear. Because you'll run that thing up and down, hot and cold. Control your fears and keep them in their proper perspective. That, that's different from simply ignoring the alarm or dismissing it, right? I'm, I'm finishing. Thankfully, every time a smoke detector has gone off at my home, it was because we overcooked something. We, we never had a house fire. We overcooked something to smoke, right? It's never gone off because our house was on fire. But that's not to say house fires aren't real and that my house couldn't catch on fire. I've got to pay attention to that and understand there's a, there's a perspective with that. It would be foolish to ignore my smoke detector when it went off. The wise thing to do is to investigate it and put it in its proper perspective. There are fears that come into your life that you need to investigate and put them in their proper perspective. The problem is a lot of people don't put them in their proper perspective. They become a thermostat to them. Don't you hate it when somebody, when you're concerned about something and you tell somebody about it, it's an alarm that's going off inside of you, and you tell someone, they say, oh, don't worry about it, forget about it, it's nothing. You ever have people do that? I've done that to people. I don't worry about it, no big deal. Or, you know, I, I don't want anything to do with you, I got, I'm busy. That's why people do that kind of stuff. Don't you, doesn't it bother you? It bothers me when somebody does that to me. I'm assuming that whoever I did that to, it bothered them. But the Bible doesn't do that. Listen, the Bible will not do that. The Word of God will. The Bible doesn't try to convince you that your fears are unfounded. The Bible never tries to convince you that your fears are unfounded. Or that your perceived dangers really aren't dangers at all. The Bible doesn't try to teach you that. The Bible helps you to address fears by putting in their proper perspective. Because there are some fears that are just unfounded. You ever had an unfounded fear? I can remember as a five-year-old, I would not go up and down in a two-story house up and down the stairway, scared to death. And my little cousin that was a year younger than me, she would run up and down the stairs. And I was getting real, she's doing it, but I can't, and I'm a boy, I ought to be doing this. And you know why I was afraid to go up and down? I was afraid I was going to fall. But what Kelly did, she said, grab a hold of this rail right here. And so I grabbed a hold of that rail like Kelly did, and up the stairs we went. It's just, it was an unfounded. Can I fall downstairs? Absolutely. But it was unfounded because I had never fallen. I understand. We have some, but listen, there are fears in our life. God puts them there to be respectful fears, to understand what can happen. Jesus said this, don't be fearful of a man that can Take your life. Don't be fearful of that. Be fearful of a God that can take your soul. Don't fear any man. The worst that can happen is they can take your life. Don't be fear. If you're, with, if, if you're good with God, you don't fear that. But be fearful of a God. Be respectful of a God that can take your soul. That's important. There are some fears that are founded fears. Moses didn't tell the people 
that the opposition that they faced in Canaan really was no threat. He never said that. He never said that they weren't going to fight you. He never said that they're going to be bigger than you. He never said, listen, they're just going to lay, they're just, they're, they're, they don't really exist. When you cross over there, what you're going to find out is there's a bunch of dummies that somebody stuck up there and ran off. He didn't say anything like that. Instead, he put the opposition in perspective by reminding them that the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God was going to take care of it. That's where we get messed up in uncertainties. We forget about that covenant-making, covenant-keeping in God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. Remember, there, there are, uh, an uncertain future in your life will leave you stranded in an unhappy present. Uncertainty comes from your loss of understanding that God is going before you. Moses said, it is the Lord who goes before you. He'll be with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. Don't fear or be dismayed. You know, I think I'm going to believe Moses this time. I think I'm going to hook up with Moses on this one. What we're going through now is an uncertain time. It's uncertain in many ways. A lot of us are comfortable in our finances. We feel like we're okay and something happens. But you understand something? Listen. In uncertain times, don't be, com- be comfortable with your finances. Be comfortable with the God. That's the God of your finances. Don't be comfortable with keeping yourself healthy. Be comfortable with the God that will keep you healthy. Now, does God ask you to do certain things? You know, it's like the guy that, you know, he, he had throat cancer from smoking. And so he went to the doctor. And the doctor said, you, got, you know, we can take care of that. And so they went and they took care of it. They got all the cancer. And so about two years later, the guy shows up again. He's got throat cancer again. What happened? He, 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 you didn't get it all. He, well, doc, so well, let's see, what's going on in your life? He says, well, you know, I went, to pack, I went back to smoking camels again. Listen, when God brings you out of something, the Bible doesn't say anything about smoking being a sin, but it's a real nasty habit. And it can cause some problems in your life. The Bible does say that we're supposed to use His wisdom in governing our lives. Not our own wisdom, because our own wisdom, we go back to smoking the camels. That's our wisdom. That's what we do. His wisdom says, you know what? I delivered you from that. I got something that tastes better. Yeah, by the way, anybody here ever smoked camels and you liked it? Swisher Sweets? Marlboro? You know why you kiss? Thank you. Thank you, Scott. You did it because you liked it. You just got hooked on what you liked. Yep, that's why you were doing it. You liked it, to be honest. Those of you that were alcoholics, you did it because you liked it. Nobody likes to admit that kind of stuff. It's because we're just adjusting our lives and managing our lives in our own wisdom. What we've got to understand is that God gives us wisdom to go beyond the things that He delivers us from. Even in these uncertain times, you can be one, be sure of one thing for certain. This is for certain in all that we're going through. Because listen, we, we don't really know where we're headed here, do we? As, as, a, as a church, we do. Thank God. Thank you, Lord, that you brought me into the church. I didn't bring myself into the church. If I did, then I'd be gone a long time ago. 
God brought me into the church and God has kept me in the church. Thank God for that. Because I know where this is going. I know where this is going. Right, Jesse? We know exactly where this is going, don't we? It's all up. We're going up. You get, we're going up. Up's a good place. The clouds. It's going to happen. It could happen this afternoon. Just remember this. The certainty and all this other uncertainty is this. God has already gone before us. Before this thing was even spoken into existence, God has already gone before this situation. And while we might can get a grasp in our mind of that, God is going with us now. He's going through it with us now. Because He understands that a lot of us can't grasp the fact that He's already taken care of it. That's hard to get a hold of. But I can grasp the fact that He's with me right now. Understand that. That's very certain. God's with you today. Understand this. In it, He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Oh, but Don, you don't know what's happened to me in my life. Yeah, I used to blame God for that too. I came to realize something several years ago. The problems and the issues of my life weren't God orchestrated. They were Don orchestrated. I brought that about. God was just kind enough to me to bring me through it, to be with me in it and bring me through it and bring me into a church a body of people, a group of people that love Him so that I could learn how to love Him and learn about Him and learn what He was about. I'm so thankful for that. Is there something that you're uncertain about today in your life? Maybe it's not the coronavirus. Maybe it's something else you're just uncertain about. I'm not, because I, listen, I talk to people just pretty much every day that say this same thing. I'm not certain I'll have a job next week. That's a tough uncertainty. Whether or not I can pay my bills. All right, you know what? The bill collectors, they'll just have to squeeze the blood out of a turnip. But what about feeding your family? What about keeping the lights on? You know, we're entering summertime. Summertime in Texas is a little bit hot. It's important to keep that electricity on. There's uncertain things that are ahead of us. But be certain that God is with you. But is there something maybe that you're uncertain about? Could, could it be something in your life? Could it, could it be your marriage? Could it be your responsibilities? I'm going to ask you something. Are you dismayed today? Are you frozen in place? Has your heart been ripped out? Do you feel like God's nowhere in sight? You ever felt that way before? Where are you, God? I have since I've been in the church, not before. I didn't care before. But after I got into church, I was very, where are you, God? He's always been right there. Bow your heads with me if you would. Lord, we know that you've gone before us in every circumstance. The thing that we're not only as families, but as a state, as a country, as a world, the thing that we're going through right now. God, we know that you've already gone before. You know the end from the beginning. You know every bit of the landscape that I am going to traverse, that the people that are in this local congregation, you know every bit of the landscape that they are now traversing, 
that they will be traversing in the next days and weeks and months. You've already been there. You know all about it. God, help us not to be frozen in place today. God, help me not to be have my heart ripped out because I'm scared about what's about to happen. But help me to realize that I, I have a, a loving, caring God that has already gone before and taken care. You told us to cast our cares on you because you care for us. God, this is not a boat, a motor home. These are not wants and desires and freebies and all those things that we're asking about. These are the cares of life. That we know, God, you've already gone ahead. And so today, as, as the local body of Jesus Christ, we cast these cares on you because you care for us. God, if there's anybody in this building this morning that they're dismayed, not, not just fearful, that, that fear hasn't gripped them, but that they're now frozen. They don't know what to do, where to go, what to say, who to see. They don't have any idea, God, if they're dismayed. I pray today. God, we have these altars open. If there's anybody that, that wants to pray in these altars, God, we, we ask that you just touch their heart. If they're dismayed, if, they're, if, they, if they need a touch from God, if they, they just need a reassurance from you, God, if they just want to know God has gone before me, He's with me right now, He's never going to leave me in this, He's never going to forsake me or walk away while I'm in this, whatever it is in their life, God, I pray that they just come to this altar and just speak those words to you. It's not, it's not Pastor Don leading them through it. It's not Moses. It's not any other pastor or person. God is leading them through it this morning. If you feel that today, this altar is open for you. God wants to speak into your heart this morning. God wants to be your leader. The training wheels are off. The training wheels are off. And God wants to, He has something to say to you. To you. Not, not, not to Pastor Don for you. Not, not to your mom or dad for you. Not to your husband or wife for you. Not, not to the person you work with or your godly neighbor. God has something to tell you today. If you feel a dismay, come speak to Him this morning. He's ready to lead you right through it. It doesn't have to be about this virus. It could be a family situation. It could be a job situation. It could, it could be many things. Let Him speak to you this morning. In Jesus' name. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.